Some words that people would use to describe me are a wise man or magi, an advisor to kings. I didn't actively pursue this distinction. These titles were given to me as my father was a man of great influence. He made sure that I received the best education and the best advantages and opportunities. He assigned great mentors into my life who taught me many things. However, my passion became the study of the heavens and the stars. And so I threw myself into the pursuit of knowledge and I discovered a wise principle that still governs my life to this day, that asking the right questions determines your direction. What I mean by that is, for example, if I were to ask, where does this rock come from? Then that determines what knowledge I pursue, how I focus my time and my energy, my thoughts and my work. And in some sense, it directs and determines my destiny of who I will become and what I know. And so it proved to be a great advantage to choose the pursuit of the heavens and the questions, the right questions that they inspire. Have you ever really studied the stars? They are magnificent. You can get lost in them. The sky seems like an endless expanse at times. And so I would often wonder out loud, asking the questions in the midst of such beauty and order. How did they get there? What do they mean? I was obsessed with observing the heavens. However, my teachers realized as a future advisor to both princes and emperors that I needed a much broader base of knowledge. So they instructed me in the history of civilizations. During my early studies, I learned to read Hebrew and study the history of the Jewish people. And as I did, many new questions began to enter my mind. Now, as an educated man, I believed that knowledge would be our salvation, that once you learn all there is to know that you'll be able to solve the problems of society. And not just in this life, but even for the next as well. It's kind of like an equation. By following the right rules, giving the right sacrifices to the right gods, then you achieve the right rewards in the afterlife. But I found a very disturbing revelation in the study of the Hebrew people that they thought very differently. According to their scriptures, everyone, young and old, wise and fools, every person sins, turns away from God, and experiences the self-destructive consequences of that. And yet, they also believed in the coming of a Messiah, a king who would be sent from God to save them. Well, I'd never been confronted with such a thought before. In fact, their prophet Isaiah said something like this, For to us a child will be born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. And he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom. After reading such words, doubts began to brew in my mind. New questions, the right questions, began to form, and the kind that none of my peers had answers for. Are people really that sinful? 
Do people really need a savior? If so, who would fill that role? Well, obviously it would have to be someone much more powerful and perfect than me. But then the questions became personal. Do I need a savior? Do the religious rituals that we practice to these various gods really do anything at all? What do I really believe about the heavens that I study so diligently? And asking the right questions began pointing me into a surprising direction. A star will come out from Jacob. This too I found in the Hebrew scriptures. Now, what's interesting is that this Jewish God would announce the birth of this Messiah through the appearance of a star, even though in Hebrew culture, they looked down on the practice of astronomy. How are they supposed to know about the Messiah's birth if no one ever studies the stars? But I do. And I began not just to look for any star, but for his star. And when it first appeared in the sky, I couldn't believe it. It seemed to fill the heavens. Perhaps not to the untrained eye. You probably missed it. But to me, to me, the star seemed bigger and brighter than any I had ever seen. Now, historians since have written about this astronomical event that year. And it seemed that Jupiter, the planet Jupiter, came into conjunction with Regulus, the star of kingship the brightest star in the constellation of Leo, and Leo was the constellation of kings. Now, what's a conjunction, you might ask? You're asking the right person. That's the right question. It's the coming together of two celestial bodies, in this case, a planet and a star. It's like the union of the earthly and the heavenly coming together in one body as though the two had become one. The earthly and the heavenly joined in one being. And this event was repeated twice, two more times over this year. And so as a first-hand observer, the sight of these magnificent bodies of light fully merging in the heavens is quite glorious, a -a once-in-a-lifetime event. I hear that people like you get excited about the recent solar eclipse, but that is nothing. That's practically an everyday event occurring compared to such a complete joining together of Jupiter and Regulus. Of course, this began to stir more questions in my mind. How did this conjunction form? Why now? And then I began to wonder about the Hebrew God, whom they claim is the great creator over everything, over the land, the trees, the skies, over animals, over you, over me, and the creator over the stars. Did he do this? And then a light clicked in my mind. I knew the answer to whose star this was and what it was announcing. I knew that the Hebrew savior king must have been born. And I also knew I needed to go there to find this king. Of course, it wasn't a quick journey. It needed much preparation. And there were Others around me who were knowledgeable in astronomy and science and history, they'd also seen the star. And they would also want to accompany me to follow this star. Like me, they were also searching. So the larger question wasn't who is to go, rather what to bring to honor this king. 
Whatever gifts that we decided, they had to be significant. They had to demonstrate the worthiness of the one to whom they're being given. Of course, we had to bring gold, for gold is the symbol of royalty. It is the medal of kings. So it was an easy decision that we would bring gold. Then, we also decided on bringing incense, for it's used in religious worship. And we knew that the Hebrew people were very religious people, and that they would use incense in worship. So it was decided we would also bring incense. Now, the final gift was more difficult. I didn't know what life would hold for this king. But as I remembered that Hebrew prophet Isaiah, that he also said that this Messiah was despised and rejected by man, a man of sorrows, familiar with suffering. And so it occurred to me that the final gift should be myrrh. It's a spice used in embalming, preparing the dead for burial. And even though I can't see into the future, I knew that suffering and death would come for this little king based on what was prophesied about him. And so out of respect for things that I didn't fully know or fully understand, we decided to bring myrrh. Now, as the journey began, the star actually disappeared. We could no longer see this great light, but I knew it was still there. And yet, there was a twinge of doubt. Have you ever experienced moments like that? When you can't see the evidence of a sign, will you press on to discover the truth? Even without this star to guide our way, we knew where we had to go. We headed for Judah, specifically Jerusalem, because it is the capital of Hebrew kings. Another Hebrew prophet named Micah put it this way, but you O Bethlehem Ephrathah, those smallest amongst the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel. So surely Herod, the current king of the Jewish people, would know about this birth, would know where this Bethlehem was, where this new king would be born. And so we went towards Judah. Now, this journey took many months for us. And that gave me a lot of time to think about what we were doing, what I hoped to find. And to be honest, I felt a little foolish at times. We've been traveling all over the world to find this king whose birth was signified by a star which no one could see any longer. And yet, deep in my soul, I knew that it wasn't foolish to continue searching for the answers that I needed. You see, some questions are merely intellectual or philosophical exercises. They have no real answer. But other questions, they need an answer. A person needs to know if there's more to life than this. A person needs to know if there's a God who can reach me when I can't seem to reach God for myself. And a person needs to know if there's such a God cares for us and can re redeem us despite my flaws and failures. And a person definitely needs to know in whom to place our faith in. When it comes to the end of the line, when death comes for us. And so as we entered the city of Jerusalem, 
I was astonished that there were no signs of celebration over the birth of this new king. It seemed just like so many other cities that we passed through on our journey. People distracted with their own busyness, caught up in the pursuits and the pains and the pleasures of life. Hadn't they seen the star? Didn't they know the words of their own prophets? Perhaps I expect too much. And because our group was so large, word spread quickly in this city. And before we could even find lodging, we were immediately summoned before King Herod. Now I want to tell you, as a Magi, I meet many men of prestige and power. And some hold their authority with an open hand, as if it was a little bird in their palms that sat there. And such men use wisdom. They understand the delicate balance that once you clench your fist, you kill the bird. Others, however, grip their authority like a serpent that they're trying to control without getting bit. And such men do not understand grace. They abuse their power in an effort to keep it. And I want to tell you that Herod is such a man. From our first meeting, I immediately distrusted him. He's the kind of man who is fearful about losing the power that he held on to so dearly. And I knew, I knew this would not be a safe place for this new king. So Herod asked us, what is it that you're seeking? And so I told him, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. Now, having been in the presence of many kings and princes, I could read his eyes and read his face. He was seething with jealousy, with rage, as he contemplated turning over his kingdom to another person. And my question for him caught him by surprise. And so he called together all of his advisors, and I kind of laugh about it now looking back, because here he was, the king of the Jews, yet he had no idea what Hebrew scripture says about where the Messiah would be born. And here we were, Gentiles from the East, and yet we knew what he did not, that this king would be born in Bethlehem. So to our great joy, we discovered that it was only a short trek away from the capital of Jerusalem. And I was ecstatic that we were so close to the end of our journey. And I assured Herod that we would return and let him know what we found. Even though we were exhausted from this long, long journey, I couldn't sleep that night. And so we decided as a group to press onwards. And out of habit, I looked to the sky and I was overjoyed to see the star was there again. It had reappeared to take us to see the new king. And so we followed the star all the way to Bethlehem, to the very place where the child was born. It seems as though that star hovered over that place as of keeping watch over that night. Now, on entering that home, we saw this little boy with his mother. And in that moment, I realized that my journey had truly come to an end as I looked upon the face of the true king. And I want to tell you, I've been around my share of royalty. I've seen them dress up in their fancy robes, don a fancy crown, sit on a fancy throne, But in this modest home, dressed 
in simple clothes, surrounded by nothing but his own parents, there is something very different about this child. His royalty wasn't announced with the trappings of wealth. Instead, by a single star that could have only been placed in the sky by the Creator. This child was an heir to the kingdom like none I'd ever known before. So we quick, quickly brought the carefully chosen gifts before him. And as I looked around, it seemed very out of place. They were more valuable than any of the furniture in this little home. But I had come a great distance. I'd searched the heavens all my life, not just to come and give gifts that are easily purchased. No, I quickly realized I'd come and searched to give myself to this king. And so as I looked upon this child, my heart was overwhelmed with awe. And I fell down before him, offering everything that I was. This journey had brought me face to face with the answer to my questions, to my hurts and my hopes, the answer to my life. And from that day forward, I didn't question my faith. I saw the one whom I had put my faith in. The God who had miraculously guided my steps to this child who would be king of kings. And perhaps it's guiding your steps toward him this morning as well. Now, we didn't stay long, but I was excited that we had found the one that I had been searching for. And again, God revealed himself to me in a dream. He warned us not to return to Herod. So the next morning, we left Judea by another route and quickly before he found out. Because Herod was notorious for his anger. You see, I learned afterwards that after we departed, that King Herod killed many of the young children in Bethlehem trying to root out this new king. But I was relieved to hear that the gifts that we had brought financed the child's escape from his wrath as their family fled to Egypt. But I also know the truth, that it wasn't us that saved him. The God that had ordained the birth of this child would not allow the jealousy of an angry king to destroy his plans. As I reflect back on my journey to Bethlehem, I've spent much time thinking about what life would be like for this child king here on earth. He'd never wear a royal crown placed by men on his head, and yet he could summon all the jewels in the sky if he commanded it so. He would never sit on an earthly throne which could be taken by invaders. No, his throne would be in the heavens where men could not destroy. His kingdom wouldn't be bound by the borders of nations or divided by race or language. Just as the heavens are over all men, so would his kingdom be over all of us. This child has unlimited authority over the heavens and the earth, and yet it is the humility, it is the restraint of this power that brought him to this modest home in Bethlehem. So as wise men, I knew with absolute certainty that this child was sent from God. And in my search for wisdom, I discovered wonder. 
and I experienced worship. In seeking answers to the important questions, I discovered that through this magnificent star, God showed me his power over history. And through this vulnerable child, he showed me his love personally. And since this journey, as a member of the Magi, I have bent my knee to many kings and rulers, but in my heart, I've only knelt before one. So let me ask you, who do you kneel to? And what are you searching for? People spend their whole lives looking for something, asking questions, often moving from one disappointment to the next. And yet after I encountered King Jesus, here is my best advice to you. Wise men still seek him. The wise still follow his star today. And you don't have to undertake a lengthy journey to a foreign land to find God. You see, the child's parents explained to us that scripture describes him as the Emmanuel, which means in their language, God with us, that he has already come to us, that you don't have to search far and wide to discover him in your busyness or in your loneliness. He is the God with us. In our broken dreams or in our broken relationships, he is God with us. And in families this season that are touched by the birth of new life and some by the sting of death, God is with us. That we can simply turn towards Jesus because the wise still follow his star today. And I know it's been a challenging year for you. Perhaps it's been filled with difficulties, doubts, and despair. May it spur you to seek something greater, someone greater. And in your search for wisdom, may you discover the wonder of a king and worship him as the Savior this Christmas. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the journey of someone who thought of himself as great and wise and yet discovered humility and answers to the questions of his heart and the questions of his life. For us this morning, as we remember the beauty and the wonder of the Christmas story, would you remind us again that we are just like those wise men on our own journeys. And sometimes we don't realize what we are searching for. For some of us, we have known you all of our lives and yet find ourselves still searching for answers to our pain, to our needs, to our emptiness, to our loneliness. May we look upwards towards the star of Christmas and find a Savior King who renews our hearts and our lives, who gives us hope for tomorrow. Many of us, we do not know you. We've been wandering through the desert for many years. 
we ask that the same spark of wonder that you gave to this Magi, this wise man, that you would give to us as well. To find that we don't have to take a long journey to find you. But because God is with us, because your son Jesus is Emmanuel, that we can simply look up and see that you were there all along, carrying us through the difficult times, blessing us with the joyful times. And may we experience the wonder of Jesus and worship him today. And it's in his beautiful name we pray. Amen.